Hi there, welcome to Sporting Lives with me, Jonathan Doidge. This is episode 15, part two, with Richard Mathers. This was a great episode to record with a man who's uh, played a rugby league at the very highest level and for several top clubs. Lots to say, and let's uh, launch straight back in there then with a look at his time at Leeds Rhinos and that glorious year of 2004. And you mentioned, you know, into the going into a successful season. I mean, just even thinking about that, from from the press box gives me goosebumps still I'll never forget the the, uh, the old Trafford night um, where it all happened and, and Mr Kaplan and I um, everybody in the box knew that you know we were the sort of well obviously Pete Smith as well yeah the three um, blue and amber uh, lovers and I remember not lovers in that sense but um, <laughs> lovers of the club I should say to, to clarify that uh, when it all happened and when the final hooter went Phil kind of two or three rows below me turning around and looking up and just kind of giving a nod and you know a little yeah, fist clench it was, special uh, it, it was a, a brilliant night but the build up to that I mean the season itself you hit the ground running beating the Broncos first game and then you just league leaders shield and some yeah. amazing rugby league Ali Lawatiti signed that year yeah he signed that year and he made his debut um, at Bradford away I remember it like he was classed as a Michael Jordan of rugby league and I think, you know, we had this core 80% of these young lead lads or come through the academy. But then we had Ali, Lawatiti, Marcus Bai, um, Chris McKenna, um, Matt Adamson, who didn't play in the grand final, but was part of the squad, Dave Ferner. You know, when you look at today, you know, they were absolute superstars. And what they were as well, they were unbelievable professionals. Great people, great professionals, and a great influence over over that group. Um, but it gives me, you know, I've got a bit of a goosebumps now. So you know, like if you look, if you remember back to them nights early Friday night, Leeds and Bradford rival. But regardless of whoever we played on a Friday night, I think because Leeds United had just been relegated or were just on the on the verge, so we got a lot of converted football fans so I, you know it was 16 to 18 to 20,000 every single Friday night um, and some of the rugby were played and I, I'd sit and argue with anybody that 2004 and 5 season there's, I don't think there's been rugby played like that in Super League before or since we were just unbelievable and it culminated in in uh, in, the, in the grand final yeah um, and uh, I mean I'm thinking about that season you've beaten Bradford three times in the league itself in front of massive crowds because they were, as you alluded to, a special side themselves. And then you come to the playoffs and first up, bang, who are you playing? Bradford. Bradford. At home. And you lose that game. Yeah. And you could be forgiven, you could forgive any Leeds fan who's Absolutely. seen it all over the last yeah. 30 yeah. years, 32 years. Here we go years. again. It, big game, here we go again, Chokers. soft underbelly. Yeah, yeah. What do you recall of that one? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it was... You know, the rivalry was, was you know, because we'd been the whipping boys pre-ourselves coming in. And then we'd, as you say, we'd beaten them three times. There was a real dislike amongst the players. There really was. Um, you know, there was rivalries all over. Barry McDermott, Stuart Field, and is <laughs> um, one. But there were just, you know, there were a lot of... and Who else? Um... Well, I used to watch stupidly. I used to wind Stuart Field and up. I, I was gobby. You, I, I, I was all mouth. Couldn't fight. Um, 
Who else was the, the like, uh, Carl Pratt was in there because he'd been li- released from Leeds. He was a little, uh, fiery little character, but, um, you know, it was more the, the right, like Leon Price was a bit of an abrasive character and, and liked a bit of a chirp as well. And it were, then you threw Yestin Harris in the mix, who we, he was out, he was like my Danny, he was all our hero, but he turned into like Leeds hated him, the fans. But then that manifested in, into us. So every time we got ball, everyone wanted to knock 10 bells out of him. Um, but he's a great fella, you know, it was just that, that time. Um, but going back to, to that playoff game, I, I remember that they were like, there must have, well, the name 20,000, there must have been 25,000 in there. 21,225 was the official attendance. There were more, it was packed. Um, Red Hot game, uh, uh, Red Hot, Red Hot day, sorry. And, uh, yeah, and we, and we got beat. And, um, but even though we got beat, I remember just thinking, and I remember Tony, um, being, unbelievably calm just well, it's fine we'll, we'll just beat Wigan next week and and away we go um, which I think it shows a resolve I can understand the 21,000 and all the heartache of 32 years um, doubting but this this belief in this group were just that strong it was like water off a duck's back um yeah, and, and and so you you go and you thrash Wigan the following week. You get to you get to Old Trafford. We've all been there in '98 when when Wigan yeah. won that first grand final. Everybody's still really nervous. Can yeah. it can it actually happen? They've, yeah. they've played the best team in the competition. They've won the League Leaders Shield. They've wiped the floor with most teams. They've had a bit of a wobble. They're back on track. It's the big night. Can they finally do this with? A bunch of young kids, yeah. effectively, yeah, yeah. in the side plus those top draw players. Especially when you compare it to Bradford's side, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you think, you know, uh, you think about some of the tries that you've seen fr- throughout Leeds history, and certainly in the Super League era, there's been some fantastic tries at, at various grounds, loads of them at Headingley, but the two that stick out most have been at Old Trafford, one by Rob Burrow against St Ellen's, and one by Danny Maguire, yeah. What did that feel like in that, that last few minutes when he? Well, I cried. I cried. Um, just before I move on to move on to that one, there's a real. I think there's a real important story um, leading up to the um, the grand final, um, and I and I, I, it's one of my running songs. This, um, and I get back to y- your original question. So I got nominated for Young Player of the Year. Danny Maguire got nominated for Man of Steel, and Tony Smith got nominated for Coach of the Year. So we all went, they hired a, they had a, Leeds hired a, so we're all black tie and they hired a fancy coach to take us to a fancy hotel in Manchester. And, um, so we're all sat around and bearing in mind we'd been the best side by a country mile. You, you could argue I'd be best young player, Danny had been man of steel, top try scorer, and you can certainly argue Tony being best coach. And then, um, so we're having the meal. And then out of nowhere, Heather Small from M People comes out and a cappella starts singing Search for the Hero Inside Yourself. And I'm like sat there, like choked up. It was just unbelievable. And so I play it, you know, it's like it's just a real, you know, you listen to the words, you, you, you'll know what I mean. So she sang that, we ate, we ate our meal. So then first first up is, I don't know, top try scorer, um, top try scorer, which Danny won. Second up, top tackler. 
and then goes to the main awards. Young player of the year is Sean Briscoe. So everyone's like, I'm like, Sean, you know, fair enough, he's a good player. Moved on. Uh, head coach of the year is, I can't remember it, well, it wasn't Tony Smith. Um, it might have been, I can't remember who it was. Then the, the main the main event, Man of Steel, Andy Farrell. So we've, we're like, not that we were that, bo that bothered by the tone, so we got back on the bus and, you know, we, I thought, well, one of us, between between the three of us, one of us should have won something, in my opinion. And I'm not saying which or who, who should have, Tony probably should have won Man of Steel, um, head coach. You could argue about the rest, it's all subjective. But Tony got back on the bus and he said, don't worry, we'll have our night. It's not about individuals, we'll have our night at Old Trafford as a team. And that always sticks to me. Um, and then we were warming up and then the small sang that again. And I, we all looked at each other, me and Danny, because we were there, looked at each other we're like, that's our night. And then the game, it chucked it down. I remember Paul Deakin bombing me to death at first 20 minutes. I'm thinking, please stop this. <laughs> but I've managed to caught everyone. And then um, Robbie Paul infamously drops a ball and then Danny scores that try. And just the sheer relief that we knew we'd won. I cry like, like just a sh we just knew we'd won. It was just amazing. Um, just memories that you just stay with you for a lifetime. And, and once you know you can do it, you know you can never undo that. You know that you're a champion. That any time you step out there in any game now, and particularly in a big game, yeah, you know that you're capable of doing that. Absolutely. And that's got to be a massive thing. Yeah, and I think to get I, over that. Yeah, and I think you know, and I think to get over the because. Let's not forget as well, we'd been reminded of the history of, you know, it'd been so long, it'd been 32 years. 32, 32 years, but we'd been reminded of that in the, you know, when we got beat by Bradford in the, in the, um, in the playoff game, in the, in the lead up to the Wigan game, in the week lead up to, so we were, were very well aware of that. It, um, even though it didn't really matter to us, like, well, 32 years, that, that's not our time. This is that, you know, this is our time. But once you actually cross that and you, and you actually pick that trophy up and you are a champion and you've wrote your name in history books, it does cement, you know, your, your confidence of, of what you're doing. And then, you know, we, that followed on to the sort of the next season when we played in the in the World Club Challenge, which I was just going to mention. Yeah, I mean uh, that night at Ellen Road. That was uh, special. Just, that was oh, special. It was a cricket score for both sides, wasn't it? There were yeah. points aplenty. I mean, talk about entertainment levels, quality of the game. Uh, it was just a, a sensational night, and I think it was a night that Leeds fans probably, having watched Wigan have a go and, and win it and yeah. win it away as well, Saints have a go, Bradford. Yeah. It's never going to happen to us. No, but if you think as well, um, it was sold out at Ellen Road, which is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, you're playing against the best of the best and, you know, you're thinking, well, can we do it? And we, we absolutely battered him in the first half. You talk about Danny's trying... Um, in the grand final, the try he scored is arguably, I think that's the best try he's ever scored in that first half yeah. at Ellen Road. How, how he scored that is still to this day amazes me. Probably, well, I, I, I won't give you too much praise because he scored that world in the uh, 2003 Challenge Cup semi final, but similar to that. But we absolutely battered them uh, in the first half and they came back. In the second half, it was like you say, it was a, a cricket score, but just to be classed as world champions 
in, in a, you know, again, as, as Leeds lads, playing at Ellen Road, we all supported Leeds, we all went and watched Leeds. Uh, I scored at the cop end, got my nose bust for the, uh, for the, for the pleasure. Um, but yeah, just just a special time to be involved in the club. It was a it was a great night, and obviously uh, they managed to, as a club, go on and repeat that, and played in a few more with, with varying degrees of success. Um, but you know, to stick that on your CV, fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, and I want to come to to the the Warringtons and the Cassies and the Wakeys. We need to get onto that, but I just want to look at O five um, in particular because as a season. You know, now you've discovered the winning touch. You've won those two trophies. Yeah. We've won those three trophies. That, if we include the League Leaders Shield, and, and why shouldn't we? It's a very, very important yeah. trophy. Oh, five! You hit the ground running. I remember speaking to Danny Mags about this, and he just said we tra- trained the house down during the winter. Everybody's full of it. Yeah. We hit the ground running, and it was almost like we were a racehorse that had gone off in front so far. We just uh, we, we were yeah. a bit legless when it came to the vital yeah. part of the season. Um, Losing the Challenge Cup final and the Grand Final, and that kind of pulls pulls the rug out from under your feet, and then yeah. things are all over the place up to the Grand Final. Yeah, so yeah, and and yeah, Danny's right. We're Tony being Tony. He said, "Well, we need to redouble our efforts. We can't just." So we, I remember the pre-season and the training. It was horrible. Like it was hard the first year to come, but quite rightly, he. Uh, he upped the ante because he didn't want us to get complacent because we were still young. And you can see looking back now, now you, you mature um, and you can reflect. And I'll stand by this. We played, barring the, the final, but you know, in, in regular season rugby, we probably played better rugby in 2005 than we did in 04. But you, you judge by trophies. Uh, start with the Challenge Cup final. Um, that's we, we we were irresponsible because we played, but I think Tony's got to take some responsibility on that. He should have pulled Keith Senior out. Keith Senior won't fit. Keith's got to take some responsibility on that. He didn't train all week. We needed Barry to play. He should have played Barry McDermott against him whole forwards. It was always going to be a war of attrition against him whole forwards. We, we'd we blow him away in the backs, but we needed Baz to play. Um, so that that's, a I think... In, in all honesty, yes, whatever team you put out, you know, you're accountable. But I think if people had the time again, I think, you know, Keith, Keith didn't train all week. He had Because we played Bradford the week before and Joe Vagana, I was next to him, it was horrible. But then Keith didn't train all week. And then we trained, you know, where the Millennium Stadium is in the Cardiff Arms Park behind yeah. it. And he did like a couple of laps up and down a, a touchline and that was it. And I'm like, I room with Danny, I'm like, He's not right, but Tony didn't pull him out, and Keith didn't pull himself out. Which, whichever way you want to blame it, it was the wrong thing to do, and they just bashed us. But we managed to get away back in it. Um, I kicked a ball across. Marcus by scored, and then uh, Paul Cup scored in the you know, which was heartbreaking. But looking back, what a great final! Like yeah, I'm disappointed to lose. I'd have loved to have won a Challenge Cup for Leeds, but um, my memories of that game was. It was mad, like you know, it was magical. Uh, Eighty odd thousand at the Millennium Stadium, Hull fans, Leeds fans. Yeah, we come out the wrong side of the result. Uh, and then I think after that, Jonathan, I think it knocked the wind out of ourselves a little bit. I think it, you know, I think we, we went on to win and, and, and get to the grand final, and we probably had opportunities in the grand final. But 
I just think it took that much out of us, the the Challenge Cup, emotionally. And, like, and probably like you say, like we done, I think we'd we'd probably done too much too soon and we just faded. So it's it's a great season in many ways, but but not in the trophy cabinet, um, with the exception, of course, of the World Club Challenge that kicks it all off. 2006, um, you've well, you, you struggled with that knee injury was it in 06. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the announcement that you're on your way to, to yeah, Gold Coast yeah, Titans. Yeah. Because yeah. there were some denials that you were going there. Was that a done deal before the knee or did that come on the back Yeah, of it? no. So I were lucky enough to get picked for England in the off season. And what the story behind the Gold Coast was Michael Searle and John, Michael Searle was the, the founder and CEO of the Gold Coast. And John Cartwright, John Cartwright was the head coach. They came over and watched the entire 2005 playoff series and they wanted to sign a prop forward, an, an English prop forward, a English winger and a young prospect back. So they went for Stuart Field and linked at Stuart Field and they signed Brian Carney and they come after me. And I, even though we didn't win the grand final, I had a really good playoff series and played really well in the grand final. Then I played for England and then at the start of 06, sort of um, got in um, negotiations with Leeds. Then Gold Coast made it really firm, got in touch with my agent at the time and said, we want, we want him to come. And sent like a DVD and like, you can imagine like, a, I think I'm a 20. the dream. Yeah. 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 And I, I wasn't going to go. Um, I remember sitting with my dad. I said, dad, you know, I'm with my best mates. Uh, you know, we're going to create a dynasty. Uh, and he said, well, you've won, you know, you've won a grand final. And he said, he said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm having a, I went, I flew out to Spain. I said to Tony, I just need some time to have a think. And, and he said, look, you do what you want to do. He said, but I'm telling you now, he said, this was before like Gaz Ellis's went and Burgess's and I think there'd only been Moz and it before, you know, yeah. the, the influx that we see now. Um, and he said, you'll get to, call it my age now you'll get to 37 and he said you'll always regret it he said you can always come back he said but there's not many side there's not many nrl teams come over for players you need you know give it a think but he said that's so i thought well you could be living in worse places in the world and it'd be great for your cv and what a great life experience and i think without getting too philosophical and and, and sad you know, I had no family anyway, you know, my mum had gone, my dad were in Spain and, you know, I'd met my partner. I was like, well, what, you know, let's go see the world. Um, so I told Tony, um, they were, Tony and Gary were great, um, understood why, um, you know, I told them, you know, about, you know, I wanted to go see the world and, um, then and I can tell this now. Uh, so at the time, um, Chris McKenna and Chris Feather signed for Bradford, and um, Steve McNamara was the coach. And I'd never, I'd have never signed for Bradford in a million years, you know, the, the rivalry. But Chris McKenna, I were really good friends with Chris McKenna, and he lived in the opposite the village. Uh, yeah. the, the housing estate we used to call it Ramsey Street so all the all the all the all the all the all the, all the Aussies live there so I thought I'm just going to use me I, I just wanted to see what I was worth so he said because um, Leeds had offered me a contract I'd already agreed to go to the Gold Coast 
And I thought, oh, what more? I just wonder what I'm worth on the open market. So he said, he wants to meet. Will he come round to ours? He wants to have a cup of tea with you. Um, so I went and humoured him and he offered me an absolute fortune. An absolute fortune. Five-year deal. Life-changing money. And I'm like, I can't do it because I'm a lease lad because of the rivalry. And so I, I said, I think about it and I poli politely declined. Um, and I'm glad of it. You know, it wasn't about the money. Uh, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have, it was, it was life-changing money. And it had been set for life. Not set for life, but I'd have, I'd have been well on my way. But being the leads, heartstrings, um, I knocked it back. And then as Sod's Law has it, um, Leeds and Gold Coast agreed to announce it on the Monday that I were leaving. And then we played Hull on the Friday night and I did my cruise ship. So that, that was the last game I played for Leeds. Yeah. And, and after all of that, uh, I bet the deal was nothing like as good as that when you went back to play for Bradford while you were part-time at the end of your career. No, no, he no, no. He's like, firmly in his cheek. No, no. I tell you what. I, I, to be fair, I got, I got a decent, I, I got a decent deal out of Steve Ferris. Out of that. I, did, <laughs> I, did, I did all right, but yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing like it was. So, I mean, Gold Coast on the field, half a dozen matches during the season. Yeah, it was hard, mate. So, the, the br br brilliant club, um, unbelievable place to live. They couldn't have done anything more for. For us as a family to set, settle in, I'm still really close with Michael Searle, I speak to him regularly, John Cartwright, made some friends for life, lived in an unbelievable place. Danny and his wife came and stayed, the family came and stayed. And then, so I went over with my left uh, cruciate, still in rehab, managed to get fit. And I played four games in the right centre for Burley Bears and loved it like we were like playing for East Leeds Park footy um, and then Preston Campbell got injured and then John Cartwright said right you're making a debut and I think I played six or seven games and anyone who has had a cruciate knows it's not a, it's not a 12 they say 9 to 12 it's not it's a two year injury before you get in full of it but I just started to get some decent form and and then we were playing at Leichhardt Oval. Um, ironically, played my best half of footy I'd played. And then innocuous, just like my left one. Uh, winger caught the ball. Matt Peterson caught the ball. Got a quick play of the ball. I picked up. Marker came out. I stepped off my right foot. Bang. Gone. Just knew straight away. So I did two ACLs in, eight, in 17 months. And that's got to be a massive setback in career oh, terms. I, I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was heartbroken. So I'd gone, I'd gone on this... Upward, I'd won everything. I'd been spoken about international honours. I'd played in the NRL, and I literally, I remember, because I, I knew how hard it was to get back from my first ACL, knowing what the second one. Then I'm thinking, well, who's going to want me? At, you know, I'm damaged goods here. I remember sat in like our oval, absolutely floods of tears, and pretty much just knew that I, th I thought it was over. I genuinely thought it was over. Uh, so I managed to get the surgery. The club were brilliant um, and, and rehabbed me back. And um, what I will say, just before we move on to anything else, out of everything I've achieved, and I'm sure we'll touch on the cups and stuff, out of everything I've achieved in my career, the most proud, the, the proudest thing I'm, I'm, I'm the most proud of is managing to get back and have seven or eight years at a top level um, after them ACLs because it's finished 
you know, it's finished a lot of people and I'm more more proud than than anything I've ever done in the game, more proud than any medal or representing England getting back from from them. Well, it's, I mean, it's tremendous testimony, not only to your your physical abilities to be able to actually do the physical work to get yourself back there, but but the worst test, the, the toughest test there has got to be mentally. Oh, mate, yeah. It was because, like I said to you, everything, you know, when you're young, you, you, you think you're six foot tall and bulletproof, and especially when you've, you know, you've captained... England schoolboys, Yorkshire, everything you've done since you've 13 years old has been like we've summarised in all this time has all been positive. There's never been a ne negative thing by losing my mum. But from a sorry, from a professional point of view, everything's gone. Um, uh, and so, if everything's gone and you think you're all washed up or worse to that effect, yeah, um, a little club called Wigan suddenly appear on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so I was on holiday in Noosa um, and a phone rang and uh, to say I'd had a few beers would be an understatement. And it was, <laughs> it, it was Brian Noble, the world's best salesman. So I thought it was winding me up. Um, so I told him to do one. Then phone rang again and it realised it wasn't hobby. And I thought I'd better answer his Wigan and Great Britain coach at the time. Um, and he said, um, uh, unfortunately, Michael Withers had I think he'd had to retire because of his knee. And he said, you know, will you come and play for us? Um, he said, we ain't got, he said, you'll have to go get a medical and this and other. I played for absolute, I mean, peanuts. Uh, but if you play so many games in your first year, you'll get your market value year after. Um, and I thought, I weighed it all up and I thought, well, you're not going to play now. And I'm like, you're damaged goods because there, there were, there were, I'm under no illusions, mate. There were 20 of me, you, you know, as talented as me. You're just a conveyor belt in and out. So I weighed it up and I thought, well, you can go home. You know, what are you going to do? You know, you could kick about and play in the Queensland Cup for 12 months and then your market value is going to be, you know, yeah. and it's Wigan, it's not with you know, Featherstone all, you know, no, no disrespect to Featherstone but you know what I mean it wasn't a championship side it was a yeah. a, 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 a big club um, and I went there and I was absolutely terrible um, you know coming back off um, I played the worst thing Nobby did what I played me he kept playing me <laughs> but I just had no confidence in my body um, you know Wigan fans still to this day give me a stick uh, rightly so um, and it wasn't for lack of trying I was as diligent as a professional as, as ever but, but I was like a scared timid cat you know t telling you so medically 9-12 months my knees were fine mentally I was thinking if I step here mm. you know if I do this knowing you know both in both ACLs, my left and my right, not there was as far away from me and you. So I danced. So my game was stepping and you know yeah. and being a loser, and I was just like a timid cat, and I were awful. So that year was uh, a really really tough year. And a couple of sendings off to boot. Yeah, yeah. So the first one, Matt King. Uh, you dirty player, Richard Mullins. Oh, no, uh, Matt King. I think because he was so big, I, I've never been dirty. I, I think because he was so big, I wanted to whack him, but I think I'd got it completely wrong and knocked him spark out. Spark out, he was snoring before he hit the floor. And I went in and um, went to say sorry, and his wife were there. And ironically, obviously, I ended up playing with Kingy. 
and his wife were calling me on it. And I said, I'm really, really sorry. And I couldn't understand that. Second one, Jason Dimitri, who deserved it. I'm glad I got sent off for him because <laughs> the, the set before, it was it was a dirty play, Jason Dimitri. So with their, Danny Bruff kicked the ball. I got it. And he tackled, Jason Dimitri tackled me, but it sort of gouged my face, but not a gouge like my eyes, but like he really like dug his nails in my face. So silly sausage here. So we've kicked the ball. Danny Bruff kicked it again. I've got it and I've run straight. Jason Dimitri and just elbowed him straight down. I'm like, I knew, I'd, 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 no, no explanation why. I don't know why I did it. Got sent off and... Uh, you were the only player to be sent off twice in, in the 2008 Super yeah. League season. How many matches did he get for that then? Like, I think I got three for King and maybe one or two for... Dimitri because I got sent off quite early but uh, I regret King years I don't regret Dimitri so, so the Wigan years um, are, are not your, your favourite and you're no. saying you didn't cover yourself in glory but you did at least tie the knot during that time with Sasha yeah 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 no so that was probably the highlight of the of the uh, 2000 and, uh, of, the, of the time time in Wigan and Nobby was great gave me, gave me some time off um, uh, for the uh, the honeymoon and stuff and yeah in second uh, of, of January 2009 so that was probably the highlight of, of the Wigan time if you look back it was it was a funny one really because we had all intents, intents and purposes of moving over um, and being part of the community which in hindsight mate I should have done really uh, travelling over with Stu Fielding and Carl Price who were great mates to this day it's not conducive to performance, you know, sat in like M6, well, we both know how many times I've me and you chatted, mate, mm. when we sat on the, on the yeah. M62. So I should have, I should have moved over, but didn't. We were settled in Weatherby, um, and travelled. Um, yeah, so it didn't, it didn't work out like that. No, but Tony Smith then comes back on the, on the horizon at Warrington, and this turns out to be oh, a great move and some of the like, best, best rugby career. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. And, it's funny how things work. So I was having a barbecue again. There's a common theme. I'd had a few beers at my, <laughs> my brother, not not alcoholic. I can see the I can see the right up to this one. Mothers with alcohol. Alcohol. Issues, yeah. yeah. No. No. Uh, we're having a barbecue. It was a red hot day, uh, and we're having a couple of beers at my, at my brother-in-law's, and we're having a barbecue. And Tony's rang, and I'm like I said to you before, mate. Tony's rang, and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, I have palpitations, and I'm like, then answer it. So I left it rang again and I thought, what's he ringing for? So I rang him and he said, right. He said, we're getting rid of Martin Gleeson. Don't want him at the club anymore. He said, I can get you part of this transfer deal, but I need to know now. I said, get it done. Didn't talk a penny. He said, trust me on the financials. He said, but he said, I'm rushing you. Um, he said, I'll get you back to what you want. Just trust me. If you want to come, I need to know now. I said, Tony, I'll walk there. Just get it done run back in I said, it's so, and then I just knew I just knew um, from the moment I walked in knowing Tony's ways and um, the, the side were brilliant you look, like, look at the side but then got to give credit to the conditioner Nigel Hamshaw he really um, spent loads of time he got me fit strong Tony knew my capabilities I knew his what he wanted from the players inside out and bearing in mind they were struggling at the time um, so I knew I could add to what he wanted to implement um, and it was just like 
I don't know, just somebody opening their arms and just saying, and just rescued me. And, then, and if Leeds had not won a trophy in forever when he, he lifted them across the line in, in 2004, Warrington, you know, very similar in um, in 2009. Uh, so nine and 10, those Challenge Cup wins. And I can't remember, I've seen you play a better individual performance than the one at Wembley in 2010. 2010, yeah. Leeds. Yeah, when I... Absolutely when I, outstanding that day. When I, yeah, they were, they were diff, different. So, uh, both of them, um, 20, 2009, we had a... It was a rough old run. Breezy managed to get a drop goal to beat Hull yeah. KR. And then we beat Wigan, which were bittersweet because obviously I'd just left. And uh, it's the only time I've ever cried on a rugby field because I thought, you know, just because of the torrid time I'd had. Mm -hmm. And it was every kid's dream. While I'd played in a Challenge Cup final, I'd never played at Wembley. And it was every kid, it's every kid's dream, or it was at our age, to play at Wembley. I knew I was going to Wembley and we'd beat Wigan, who'd, you know. Um, and then we got to Wembley that first year and um, and it was back, you know, both times it was pretty much, certainly the 2010 one was pretty much sold out and went far off 09. And, you know, it's, it's funny the emotions um, because I remember watching it in 94, 95 with Ellery Anley and Leeds and Wigan and Abide With Me and, and I'm stood in the tunnel but then I'm thinking of my mum, of all the things I'm studying, and I've got a massive lump in my throat, thinking, don't cry, you walk about to walk out to play biggest, so Bide with me is playing, I'm stood, all I can think about is my mum, massive lump in my throat. And um, you forgot to say, second fastest try in Wembley history. Uh, I, I, I did, it's down here as well. <laughs> yeah, so that was just surreal um, in, in 09. Um, so yeah, they managed. We managed to win there, win convincingly. And then, 2010 was was funny because they're all my best mates and and playing against Leeds, but it's business is business. And um, I'd probably and not been you know not been big. It, it was the best performance, not just by me, but by the team. One to seventeen, genuinely like. And I mean this. And if you ask, if you ask the winger, the full, the the, the nine, the six, whoever, everybody played to the maximum. It was like serene. You know when people say in that moment, yeah, it was serene. It, well, I mean, it, you'll you'll remember if you made any mistakes. I, I can't. But if if I, if I was in the pub with my mates having this conversation and we talked about you, would be saying that game in 2010. Mm. It, it was everywhere. It was everywhere on the field. Every time it looked like a try was going to be scored, it was blocking the gap. You know, caught everything, linked well. Yeah. Every, you know, just everything that you'd see in a, in a top draw fullback that day was it was just fantastic. Yeah, it was. It, it hurt Leeds fans. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it was just, and I don't know. It's it's funny how things work, into it. And I just, I think it was just, I, you know, I just knew my role. It probably at that time, yeah, you know, I were at my peak, if you like, and my body was fully back to trusting myself. I knew, and it was. You know, of all days to to play your best ever game, it was that day. It was. Is that is that the sort of um, ultimate for you? I mean, when you think back about your your career, is it the time at at Leeds when it was all starting to happen and you started winning trophies, or is it is it the Warrington period, or or something else? Yeah, I think Le Leeds is special because it were all with your best mates, and it was a club that I loved. Um, um, 
yeah, that that would be the, the the outstanding memory because they were all it was what we'd all you know we used to get the bus when we we're in the academy and we're we're all that skin we'd all have to chip in and buy a saurine from Morrison's at Kirksley and share right. it, so we'd all had them experiences together you know yeah. so, but then I think the Wembley ones at Warrington were equally as special selfishly. Because I thought we were on the scrappy after doing two ACLs, I'd, I'd proven to myself, I, I'd got back to where I thought I would have been going and I should have been going. So more, I was sort of more proud, selfishly, that I'd managed, well, one, I'd played at Wembley, but two, after being on the, nearly on the scrappy, especially after Wigan, I could have been, my next move could have literally could have been out of the game. So... And that, so that was all about confidence, was it? Because, uh, you know, you were full of confidence in, in 04, let's say, just for, to pick out a year. It's low as you could possibly get, really, in 08 going into 09. Yeah. And then suddenly you're back, you're back up again. I mean, do you, are you feeling like you're a better player five, six years on than you were back in that first grand final win? Have yeah. you improved as a player by then, or is it, is it was it really you were the same player, but you just had confidence restored? Yeah, I, I was I was the same player. Um it was just the confidence in my body and my knees and just having the time to um, reinstall the confidence to do the things that made me the player that I was when I came through, um, but also have the the maturity and and the and the and, and also the physical conditioning as well because the game changed. You know, people got a lot bigger and stronger and faster and. You know that enabled me to then look after my knees a lot better and do a lot more specific work. Whereas before it was, I won't say well back back of a fag packet, but it'd be you know you'd run till you around the park till you were sick. That was the sport science. Yeah. Whereas like in two thousand nine and ten, it was very much that's when sports science came in, and you know then that helped you know with my physical conditioning with my knees and you know and the medicals. Uh, advancements and stuff so I was the same player I would just probably rebuilt physically if you like can you compare the two I mean you know we're another decade on now so things have changed but can you compare the clubs you know in terms of the, the whole uh, infrastructure at the two places um, the the way that they treat the the players going from young right through to the seniors you know the whole makeup of the backroom team and all that sort of thing you know is are there Constance, if you like, between the successful teams that you played in at Leeds and the successful team that you played in at Warrington? Chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese. I think, you know, the constant thing with Leeds is they've had a, a consistent stream of academy players come through and stuck to that ethos. Um, that works, uh, that blueprint from when we showed that it worked. Um Whereas Warrington was completely different and is still different. And while I played with some unbelievable players, they were all bought and they were all on massive money, um, which, you know, is is it a good or a bad thing? You know, like some of the players that I played with at Warrington were absolute world-class players. But in terms of sustainability, and you look at not just players that have played for Leeds first team, but Leeds, players that have come through the Leeds system who weren't quite good enough or had the pass blocked by a Danny, a Rob, Chev, 
who've gone on to make unbelievable careers elsewhere um, shows you what a strong yeah. um, importance they've, they've, they've put on that. And it probably, I, you know, I got a bit frustrated this week about reading about the academies, um, you know, cutting back on academies and stuff. And I just, I, I just think it's disgusting. I think while, while, you know, clubs can have marquee players, you know, the, there's a there's a club that are paying two halfbacks over seven hundred grand at the minute, but you know, the 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 governing bodies and and the powers that be uh, are letting the lifeblood of the game uh, go. I just, it really, really, you know, having having benefited from being an academy player and following my dreams, um, yeah, I just think it's a, a really, really poor, ill-thought move. That's that's where the money um, should be going if the future of the sport is Absolutely. to be is to be safeguarded. We'll have more views of that nature from Richard Mathers in part three of this uh, Sporting Lives episode 15 podcast. Uh, great to hear from him once again. And next time around, well, yes, you'll finally get to hear the Castleford story right at the top of the piece. So do look out for episode three. Do, of course, uh, give us a follow as well on at Sporting Lives 1. Uh, that is for Facebook, also for Twitter. Or you can get in touch on uh, LinkedIn as well on Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge or email jonathandoidge at hotmail.com for uh, suggestions for future guests or any questions that you have about the podcast. Please do give us a subscribe on YouTube and also on Podbean and iTunes. I need those to be able to continue to produce this podcast. But thanks for your patronage on this one. And I look forward to um, seeing you again for part three of episode 15 with Richard Mathers.